Our first guest is someone I've known for nearly 12 years. We started as co-workers at Google, but that only lasted a day. It took all of 24 hours for me to feel like I'd known him for years. Being friends with him is just easy. It's the essence of who he is. He's charming, sincere, polite, friendly, and he has a quiet demeanor that can fool you at first. But as you get to know him better, you realize just how many layers there are to him. I'd heard about our first guest from Archil so much before I actually got a chance to meet him, maybe five or six years ago. If you go to his LinkedIn, it'll tell you that he's currently the VP of Strategic Initiatives at Core Diagnostics in Gurgaon. But that's just a title. Through our chat, we realized that that title could have very well been the ashram guy or a chartered accountant or maybe a photographer. My biggest takeaway from the conversation was that he's someone who wasn't made to just follow a set path in life. He challenged norms at every step of the way and has always wanted to know the why before doing anything. So let's get to know Pius Saraswat a little better, shall we? Or as his Twitter handle will tease you, is he really pious? You know, I've been listening to so many podcasts over the years, ever since the pandemic started. My consumption of podcasts overall has climbed through the roof. Like a lot of people started audiobooks, some people started reading, some people started cycling. The lazy bum that I am, I said, I'm just going to put these things in my ear and just listen to other people talk. As I was listening to different interviews, I realized that literally everyone who I'm listening to is a famous person Mm. with an interesting life story on how life turned out and all of them are successful, which is why they're on a podcast. And then I thought to myself that, does that mean normal people, regular people, people who aren't necessarily celebrity level, like me, for example, will I ever get the chance to be on a, on a podcast? And everyone has an interesting life. And that was a thought behind the original thought behind this idea, which is everybody's somebody. Everybody's got an interesting story and interesting anecdote, uh, incidents that have happened to them to shape people in a particular way and all the stories depending on how they tell the story can be interesting and that's why i said there should be a podcast for regular people uh, yeah. because even regular people are interested yeah. yeah it's just become so strange that uh, we're yeah. in this strange environment of you know the, the only way you'll talk to someone is on a whatsapp call where you're literally just all the time showing them your nostrils and you know the, it's just become so strange and how do i get to just talk to them how do i recreate so uh, Pius and I used to at work uh, go to this fountain place one in cyber cyber city building eight side eight or ten yeah. and we would just talk about random things and you know there are many times we would reference that and say oh the fountain time mm-hmm. and uh, I was like which is why I think for me it was like who's the first person who I think is a, a very ordinary person who's lived a very interesting life uh when i say ordinary i just mean like sometimes just don't want to listen to a like what shahrukh khan or uh, more recently it's like not even shahrukh khan i should say like uh what's her name bhoomi pernikar i don't think you even know who that is but no idea. yeah so like these people come on to interviews and then they yeah. talk and then you realize yeah. like their life is so so ordinary like, ordinary and so it's actually the people who've gone through what you know whatever they have and so uh let's let's just talk anyway so i just wanted to hang out with you basically and uh i think mutually 
agreed that it should be pious first. Yeah, um, I'm very and, happy. I'm very like I love the idea completely, and I'm very I'm very honored that you're calling me for this. Also, I, Chetna and I have talked about the idea of doing like two a couple of things related to this. One is it was just about a week ago that we were watching some interview of someone showing around the house, and you were like. and this person i don't remember who the person was they were like this this person hasn't this what is interesting about them they're living in the exact same life as each one of us so why are we spending time listening to this person versus any other person that's out there so i love that idea and manan to what you said reminded me of something that i've uh, a couple of months ago i found this uh, service that is maybe in the us that was they do professional videos and interviews for people that you know so suppose your parents or your grandparents you want to get to know them better they will do they'll do a professional podcast with them and ask them the questions that they whatever questions they think is relevant and build a story of their life and you'll be able to see them in a different light i really loved that idea it was one of those things that i thought like this i i wish i thought of something like this also but i i completely see the value in what you're saying the stories are there everywhere stories are there with like why are we listening to celebrities it's not and really... the humans of whatever so new york yeah. humans of whatever, like they do that but they don't go too deep into it also here there's yeah. some element of we are probably going to try to at least start with folks we know and yeah. and then you know go with someone we don't know at all so in yeah. this case i know you pretty well i'd like to say <laughs> i i mean maybe not and maybe. we'll find out but uh, but i'll let manan start with like the one question is dying to ask you so uh, bias you're white how yeah. what happened there <laughs> <laughs> my for those, for those yeah. oh, by the way we should we should also even address the listeners you yeah or the audio medium and so and we practice when we said practice is what will be the opening question he said i'm going to first say he glows <laughs> and then i'll get to it thanks for just going fine you're white <laughs> what's up with that <laughs> no but i think uh, said differently where did it all begin <laughs> you got the podcast voice also exactly where did it all begin Uh so my mom's american and i was born in uh west virginia my dad met my mom in so in west virginia there's a place called new vrindavan which is a recreation of the indian vrindavan that's there in the us it's something that's been done by the iskon and my my dad had he joined this con very uh like sometime after he did his mba he left everything and joined this con and he he spent a couple of years around india and after that whoever his guru was decided that he should go to the us to the us and canada to become a preacher which is to go around and talk to people and tell them about the word of radha krishna and what whatever is kind of preaching he was settled in new vrindavan where he met my mom and i was born over there uh in the iskon around somewhere near the iskon temple over there so that explains my uh whiteness though i was born there i've spent most of my time over here in india therefore i have the bad indian uh, like bad like in guys i i've still never acclimatized to speaking hindi very properly uh but i come across as uh to almost everyone and this is across my life as something suspicious about this guy he doesn't fully look indian 
So I was saying that the uh, explanation that I've heard a lot of cab guys, at least in Calcutta, go go ahead with was, "Ye larka Kashmiri hai," and uh, <laughs> that is, and I I didn't want to ever question that, like get into that explanation too much, but that that's what I've been labeled as. That mostly. is so fascinating. Yeah. I didn't know about yeah. New Vrindavan. Like, uh, um, I didn't Neither know that. Neither did I. Part. I mean, like, does I it say that on your passport? New- no, no. It says whatever that local town is, you know, by what New Vrindavan, um, Moundsville, I think. Moundsville, have you ever gone back to that place? No, no. no I have no. not. Uh, the last time I was there was when, uh, was actually would probably be really long time back. So from New Vrindavan, uh, where I was uh, born, I think I was there for three, four years in which one year or six months or so I came back to India for some reason I was here for. I did Montessori in Calcutta. Uh, I don't have any memory of it. I've seen photos of it and I, I know it from that. Uh, my grandmom was a Montessori teacher also. So I don't even think I was that age to go over there, but she used to just tag me along and have me play with the kid. Then, Which one was uh, we, do you Do you remember the name? Uh, um, no, I don't remember it. Uh, it was, it was, there was one that's near Xavier's that one I went to for some time. Uh, I don't remember what it's called at all. It's just next to Vardhan market. You know, uh, I went to the same Montessori, Mongrace, Mongrace, Mongrace. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So my grandmom was, uh, uh, the principal there for some, some amount of time. Wait, so when was this? What year was this? Her being a principal would be, I don't know, that was uh, about, I think, five, ten years before I I uh, went there. But she was, I think, a teacher also at some point of time over, like, she was a, te- she was a teacher also. She continued continue to what be that. What was her name? Yeah. This is getting uh, An- Anjana Saraswat. What are the odds, right? Like- you know, when we were in, when I was in Montessori, we used to call yeah. all our teachers auntie, auntie ah. dash. Oh, yeah, so yeah. I, I definitely remember someone uh, like an auntie Aparna or an auntie Anjana. Uh, she was Anju auntie. Anju auntie. Yes, yes. Uh, well, <laughs> wow. that's crazy. That's crazy. That is crazy. <laughs> yeah. And I was, when I was in, in Montessori, the principal at that time was someone called Grace. I know. Yeah, I know who she is. Yeah. <laughs> When I went to Calcutta for the first and uh, not the only time, I've been twice, but uh, one, one of the first places he showed me, he'd, he'd taken me to show me around, uh, was that this monastery school. And yeah, we took yeah. a picture there and he's so like nostalgic, <laughs> the whole place. Wow. Um, but wow, what are the odds? Anyway, you jumped from, from New Vrindavan to Calcutta. Calcutta but, for a little bit, yeah. Huh. Yeah, but when you came, were you just with grandma? How, how did yeah. that happen? Were parents back in the States? They were back in the States. I think they were, they went on some sort of religious tour maybe. Um, and they just left me with grandmom. I think, yeah, I think it was like that. And then we, we went back to New Vrindavan for some time. Then my parents got divorced. We, and then uh, with my stepmom and dad, we shifted to Toronto. And I was there from, so me and my brother were there from class... I think one to class three, kindergarten to class three, we were over there. I have very few memories of the place in general, like very, I remember like the snow. I remember some parts of the house uh, very distinctly, but apart from that, and I've gone searching it on Google Maps to see whether the house looks similar from the outside and it, I, 
a lot of it looks similar it was it's very fascinating to see i, I think i did that you just like about a year ago like you know which street yeah yeah, yeah. there was something knock i remember it was knocks actually the the very interesting i didn't remember the place but i remembered the school i went to and i vaguely remembered the route i i used to walk to school myself so i vaguely remembered a route that i would take so i traced that out on maps and then found knox avenue i was like oh that's the place and uh, then i found my house i for a kid going from the us to calcutta to canada uh, and you're just saying class 1 to 3 that's a big change like big changes yeah. were you a knockwood kid or were you a very friendly what's your memory of what you were like as a child very silent i was a very silent to myself like state to myself uh, kid and that is all the way up till like i i was definitely uh, that when i was a really small kid but i think till till right now i'm the same actually but <laughs> till about class 8 i was very to myself and i didn't actually hang out with friends i had a couple of friends that i would speak to in in school but then i would go back home and get back to reading books and watching tv and just doing things like that so i spent most of my time with books playing with my brother but but it was it was a very yeah awkward kid for sure i was just reflecting on what archer last you grew up born in in the us came to calcutta for some time went to canada and you just mentioned that there was a lot that happened even in those few years maybe first 10 years of your life and it seems like that is the period that really shaped who you've become now and and as a lot of it has probably stayed with you those moments those experiences in your subconscious in a lot of ways what's your favorite memory in of those first 10 years i have one, like this very interestingly just a couple of weeks ago i was talking to someone about who stayed in toronto and the happiest memory that i have over there was there's there was a place that i remember called legoland which was i don't i don't now even know whether it exists but exists but in my mind what the place was was like a many stories like five seven stories of really colorful construction where you just had these pits where you could play with legos and build them and there are these statues of lego and i was i was very fascinated with lego as a as a kid and you know, even right now actually what a lego set recently but i remember being so happy there and i've thought of that memory many times of being in that lego land and just like running around and like building things that was definitely one thing that i i very vividly remember there is the second decade right of of your life which was mostly i, I guess in calcutta right that, that you were by this point back in calcutta and what's it like being in calcutta i hear from manan all the time he is from there and time is there uh, he loves Ooh, it speaks about it very fondly but also like will mix it up with it's dirty it's stuck in time it's not changed it's not evolved and it but i feel like every person i've met from calcutta has experienced it in their own way of yeah. however they've gone through calcutta so there are people who love it there are people who are like happy to have moved on and evolved and you know gotten out and they feel like that is success for them and realize they've achieved something because they've left calcutta behind did you learn to speak bengali <laughs> and I, uh, i didn't learn to speak bengali i was i was uh, 
uh, I almost still always spoke English and maybe it was something about me only, but my, I was like that kid that when I came around, the people then started speaking English around me. So I never even picked up Hindi that well. So Bengali, I know how to write Bengali, I know how to write English, but uh, sorry, Hindi, uh, Hindi very well. I learned how to write Hindi, but no, I never got the practice of speaking Hindi at all. Uh, so no, I never picked up on Bengali. I learned to appreciate Calcutta only after leaving Calcutta. When I think I was there, firstly, I never really explored the city at all. I spent, I would say most of my childhood or it would be, it would be going to friends' houses. It would be going to tuitions and it would be going to movies maybe. And it wouldn't be anything more than this. So uh, when I shifted to Gurgaon, I was going back to meet my grandma regularly. That also coincided with the time that I started becoming very interested in photography. And so I started exploring Calcutta a lot. And I really fell in love with it. And I, I, I started missing the place also. I started when, when I went around, like seeing some of the places that I absolutely didn't see as a kid. I didn't even think of exploring as a kid. I fell in love with the city. I've, I Even the food I started appreciating much later in life. The first year that I came, no, I think the first three months that I came to Calcutta, I was given some food from somewhere and I got a really bad jaundice. And so after that, every my grandma became incredibly protective of me. And I don't think I ate an outside meal till maybe class eight, nine. I was just completely shielded from everything. So that was there. And then street food was something that I even learned about, I think, in college. And mainly Chetna, I think, uh, taught me about street food. Like towards the end of school, I started, I, I learned that, oh, this is this can be eaten also. I used to <laughs> think it's disgusting all the time. And I really fell in love with street, Calcutta street food also. Uh, did, did you so have a lot of friends of growing up like in, in that phase when your teens... Did you, were you always surrounded by close friends or one or two friends or like many friends with lots of plans and things like that? So again, later it was class, I think seven or eight, where I started making some friends at all. Like there was people that I knew and would again, like hang out in college, uh, in school with, but I didn't really care for them also. Like I was more interested in going back home and reading my books, reading my comics, reading my reading, like whatever I could. Uh, when I was in class, I think seven, I started talking to friends a bit. I think maybe it was end of seven, around eight that I was invited, like I got invited to some birthday parties with other kids. And I was like, oh, oh wow, I can hang out with these people outside also. And then I started going to movies and class 10 onwards. Then I became quite social in terms, no, so I would say 9, 10, 11. Then I started getting a friend group. And a lot of those people that I'm in, like Saurabh is, a, was a part of that group. We had a friend group that I used to hang out with a lot. And it became the group that I would bunk. Then I learned that you can bunk school also. I didn't have, like, I started rebelling uh, at that point of time. I, I fell in love. I thought I fell in love in class nine. Did you fall in love in those years? Uh, I had a really big crush on my class seven teacher. But we, we've all been there. <laughs> But uh, I have no, to stop we from being naughty. 
I started like it was I was in a I was in Xavier's which is the all boys school and therefore opportunity to meet girls was very minimal again it was when the school fest started which is I think again class 10 or so where I started meeting just meeting girls even in tuitions and tuitions is actually the main seeing I, them. yeah yeah the seeing them yeah <laughs> but uh, I I have this common uh, joke that there was a lot of uh, people that I talked to from Calcutta about tuitions being the main way in which you'd go and meet girls <laughs> otherwise that was the excuse like no one actually knew tuition I but Xavier's had this so at least so I went to Lamartia and the girls school was right across our yeah. exit gate yeah. and girls from class uh, 11 and 12 they used to come into our campus to go to their classrooms so every morning and afternoon there used to be this huge crowd of boys in the field just to watch the girls parade and go into into their classroom but awesome. one of the things that the reason why i'm bringing this up is because we always used to envy the boys at Xavier's because they had they college. had a retro no well college yes but they were college was a little out of our didn't, but we didn't interact with loretto in any way i know you didn't but i thought we were we, right were, we were jealous we were jealous of the lmb lmb is la martinez yeah. actual yeah. boys because you were completely opposite to the lmg school <laughs> yeah like classrooms were inside the boys school yeah um huh? but yes what? Anyway, yeah the the, the girls classroom class girls huh. because they didn't have space in their campus very so good they <laughs> convenient yeah. it was convenient it was very convenient yeah. but don't you miss that that feeling of like you're saying tuition like it's the same thing i was in agra uh, in my youth uh, yeah. 10 11 12 it was the same like i remember my like car used to stop and like i'd get off and i knew two three boys i knew that someone was trying to like get to know me or like similarly i knew some guy that is like this guy interesting and you know tuition was the place and that batch change or oh, 5 pm 5:30 this that i don't think it works that way anymore like what's a zoom stalker <laughs> <laughs> how do you like you can old school charm yeah it's yeah so i i really love it and miss it but maybe it was not very uh, practical also and things are better now or so safe either so do, i want to get to chetna and uh, i and you know because i think that's shaped a lot of the the third phase of of life if i can call it that and you got to know her a lot earlier like in college was it or uh, yeah. the first yeah so Yeah, she's, she's been a huge, your partner. Yeah, yeah, she's been a huge influence. I mean, if she introduced you to street food, let's start there, and then, <laughs> man, she's wow. Okay. Yeah, so, that's yes. what that was. Tell us about tell us about Chetna and how it all started, and so everything. Chetna, I met in first year of college. I think it would have been uh, there was this group uh, in college called Xavier's Commerce Society, which was. like the the cool group again it, it was i was again in a all boys school in the morning and, and so zavers commerce society was a way to meet girls because uh, there was also girls in this group so you can see how my life choices are made 
anyway so we uh, we met at the Xavier's Commerce Society uh, there were we met on I think the first day where they we went through this you like you go through this interview process and they ask you stupid questions and they eventually think you're like useful to come and start like, taking part in these events uh, so we met over there and on the first day I I was doing chartered accountancy at that time I think it was just maybe uh, I just started article ship which is the like internship period that you have. And I was uh, doing it uh, in a place that was very near to her house. She, yeah, the article ship was in uh, near the Calcutta Stock Exchange. Uh, and I think maybe it came up in conversation that she stayed uh, over there. Also, it's the first time that we met. I said, hey, I'm going there. You want to come with? And I think we went on a bus ride together. And after that, she she became very active in the Commerce Society uh, still, she was also doing chartered accountancy. So What's I think there was some overlap. What's a commerce society? Is it a like a club? Com- yeah, it's a club. Okay. Club. Okay. Yeah, it's one of those clubs where you get together and do uh, you organize events like things themed around business. So okay. you'd have like entrepreneurship things, you'd have marketing events, you'd have finance events, you take you, people to factory visits, like those sort of extracurricular stuff. As a kid reading your comic books and books and all those things, did you have dreams of being like, I used to want to be a newsreader or an astronaut at some point. Like, did you want to be part of the commerce society or did you want to be, what did you want to be? And how, I'm, I'm shifting gears, but I, I want to know that. It's a very well. interesting question. So growing up, why my parents shifted to India and my, why we're over here is that they had spent their time in Toronto and they were, they were my dad was going about his preaching. My mom was supporting us at that time. And they decided at some point that they want to shift to Vrindavan completely and give up everything that they had earned, start living in an ashram. So they took that decision and moved to uh, Vrindavan, uh, giving up everything that they had. And we uh, shifted, uh, my brother and I went to Calcutta and we started growing up with my grandma. We stayed away from our parents most of the time, except every single vacation that we had. We would travel to either Vrindavan or there was a place near Allahabad uh, where there was a, a center also. Uh, so we'd spend a lot of time over there. And the we were very so. This is a ashram that has a, a a guru. They have a they have their kirtans. They have their set of rituals that are there. We were also very close to the guruji's family. Most of the vacations that I spent over there, me and my brother both, we we spent them with in the ashram completely being a part of the kirtans also, being a part of uh, anything that the Guruji's family would do at that point in time. And the way in which my mom and dad, especially my dad, saw both my uh, me and my brother's life was that we would join the ashram eventually also. And till about... I would say class eight, nine, no, like even 10, 11, I was completely bought into that plan also. I also thought that, yeah, my future is, I'm doing all of this stuff right now and I'm studying and doing stuff, but uh, eventually I'm going to join the ashram only and I'm going to contribute here in whatever way I can contribute. So my initial dream was of being just an ashram guy and doing whatever that was. (laughs) Didn't work out at all. (laughs) <laughs> wow! I didn't I, I love the way you the, the way you described it. Uh, the ashram guy. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea. 
Tadi uh, imagine that. <laughs> yeah. So my my name is also completely just like I was com- gonna say that. that that is like from birth they put it in me that <laughs> you your name is religious man. You're not gonna have many options. How how did you? Uh, I guess you're saying that you used to think you're going to join the ashram, but did you have feelings about God? Like did you think that yeah. Like God, I, I bet you the bombs must have called you Piyush and Piyush, Piyush, Piyush. <laughs> the man and the worst thing, the 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 thing that probably has annoyed me the most in life is that some guy would come up to me, some Bengali guy would be like, you know, Piyush is a sweet we have. <laughs> I like I've oh. heard this so many times. Like it's just endless the Piyush. <laughs> So my yeah. name Payesh and uh, like and it gets made into Piyush a lot in yeah. Delhi but yeah Payesh I was I was called Payesh all the time. Uh, what is it is it like a white sweet? White sweet. I mean I, it sounds like it would be a white sweet I, not because it's related to your name <laughs> just generally I would think actually I'm thinking Payesh So there is a biasm in uh, the south of uh, India. Y'all might not really. be. I'm saying y'all a lot, like I'm from Bombay, but you both might not be familiar with it. It's uh, the south of part of India. <laughs> You're not from there, so huh? unlike me, I'm from everywhere. So we were at Chetnal. How you, I I wanted. Oh yeah, first tell me about feelings about God in general. I'll tell you why I'm asking this because when growing up, there was just one aspect of. god work in fucking <laughs> me praying god work uh, that happened at, at our place that i remember and i remember participating happily in which was every diwali in the evening there used to be a puja and i used to get to do ting 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 with the bell pap my dad would uh, sing uh, some bhajan in a make make fun of it pretty much but sing very loudly and uh, not in any sort of sur and we'd all laugh and have a good time and for me that was god so that's my, been my journey <laughs> with with god uh, but i'm curious like if you were surrounded by it to and i know a little bit about how you feel how did you kind of process that growing up and then where you are today with that and then i really want to get back to the chetna story was that so sweet yeah. so it's been very my thoughts about god and religion have evolved a lot over time i think the main distinction i remember and why i believe actually i really believed in god was that i i used to pray a lot before exams uh which at some point of time when i said uh, when i when i fully decided that i didn't want any part of the ashram life that mechanism of me praying for anything completely stopped also but it wasn't uh, like i kind of it was more that i really loved the guruji and his family and whatever he said it was the the like radha krishna and the whole like i really liked that as a story and i thought it was interesting and i still love it as a story right now but i never really related to that that much it was more the family the the guru and his family that i was very uh, very enamored by and I, i i when i was praying i was not praying to god actually i was praying to this guruji and that when i 
eventually decided that I didn't want to be a part of the ashram, uh, which was, again, a very difficult conversation with my parents who completely believed that like this was a done deal at least with me it was a done deal with my brother they were always unsure about what was going to happen but i was the nice kid who was studying and doing well and i would nod along to things and like my dad would tell me stories all the time from the bhagavad gita and from the gita and from the purans and from everything so i was i nodded along to everything and like i found it interesting and liked it at that time. When I eventually decided not to go ahead with any of this, then I a, had a very strange time with my parents for a couple of years where there was just this, they kept trying to like lure me back or at least guilt me into thinking that I should still be doing something there or that there was still a chance if they guilted me enough. To right now, my uh, what actually happened, and I've realized this very recently, that my I became very resistant to any sort of spirituality. And so recently, I think over the past two years or so, Chetna has become quite deeply spiritual. And when she would come and talk to me about a bunch of these things, or she would be listening to some songs that some, any religious sort of song also, I would find myself a lot of resistance coming in me and even listening to her about the things she was saying. And I eventually saw that I could, I was thinking like it, it this is this is a lot about what my dad said this is a lot about a lot of the people that that I would meet also in the ashram over there they they had a similar way of saying things i found myself very resistant to that till very recently i've been able to see it a different way which is not that actually understand it in this way that i've grown up in a very in a very spiritual surroundings my whole life like imagine being born in and around an, an ashram and listening to Hare Krishna, Hare Ram, probably constantly. I didn't even realize how much those things are probably like genetically coded in me uh, right now. But as resistant as I was to any sort of spirituality right now, I've moved to a mode of trying to discover what 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 that spirituality is for me right now. And so that means like reading a lot, watching a lot of videos, just trying to understand different perspectives and explore them a lot with Chetna also and just have an open mind to everything to eventually figure out I'm probably going to be a spiritual person, but I need to find that brand of spirituality, uh, which is my own, which will actually probably find the most peace in. And that's where I'm at right now with this whole thing. When was that moment when you realized that this is not for you, you're not cut out? I I don't think it was a moment, but maybe some part of the Xavier's Commerce Society also was was this. There was a bunch of things that happened that made me realize that I really like what was positioned to me at growing up as this is the material world and there's no happiness here. And there's if you are a part of this, you're only going to suffer. And this is the this is the good place, and you need to be a part of the good place. When I started realizing that I was I could actually enjoy what was out there and I could, I liked hanging out with people and liked meeting people. And I, 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 I really enjoyed what I had in Calcutta. Then it started becoming very clear to me that I didn't want the ashram life. And I remember, I very clearly remember the place where it was actually right in front of LMB where I had the conversation with them. I remember I was walking, I think home from, Someplace in Baliganj, I had taken a long walk back home. And I think I got the call from my dad about visiting or what's happening with it. So 
my the thing of me doing chartered accountancy also was actually a part of the whole ashram plan also and i was involved in it and doing it for some amount of time and then i realized i i a wasn't wasn't cut out at all for this chartered accountancy thing i didn't know what i was doing with it and that why was i doing it i was doing it for this uh, goal that my parents had for uh, me joining the ashram and it was a part of that and they were following up with me about something related to it and i it was somewhere in like late evening that i remember having this conversation with them that i felt really uncomfortable about but had like it was something that was probably on my mind for many months before that and i was there was some sort of probably uncomfortableness that was happening with my parents about i don't know visiting or some doing something like that that i very vividly remember the feeling of having that conversation with them the guilt that i probably had and maybe the relief also i had at that time but yeah that i remember the i don't remember the moment when the decision got made taken but when it got communicated to them which i think was very significant for me that i remember that very clearly did you know how your dad reacted was it did he take it well were you able to explain so over the moon <laughs> no i'm sure not but like i can totally imagine how he was pounding trying to get the words out feeling nervous but then if he was okay with it we would probably be he wasn't okay with it i think he didn't like believe it really and he he listened to me and said yeah okay like he like went along with it and it, that wasn't a, like there was pro- conversations after that that maybe clarified it more how serious i was mm-hmm. about it but he they were never they were never very explicit about the fact that they were unhappy about it and even i think from my side it was i can't just join this right now i get that there's more to life than what's out here in, in the the material world but i need to find my own path there and this is what i used to tell them from the beginning also and i think i like from the that then i went into the resistance phase and now i've circled back to getting back to this only that i need to find my own path in whatever it is in my understanding of spirituality and this is a nice point for an ad break <laughs> like, so i i want to get back to the uh, you mentioned now uh i were actually i don't want to know so much about what happened to the years but what we were saying earlier like obviously your your partners now you've been married for a while you were together for a while before you got married lived together how has being with someone uh changed the bias of the the first two decades that you spoke about right how that influenced and changed you a little bit did it because most of my relationships changed me uh i used to at some point become a mirror version of the, the other person and slowly you know as i grew older started to understand that i there were some parts of me that i wanted to keep yeah. uh and then now you know it's in a more even more i'm more comfortable with who i am uh than i've ever been and i'm sure as i grow older that's all to be so i just what is you know that i guess keep calling it the third phase of of bias in his yeah. life i the thing that i always most liked about chetna and like about her right now also a lot is i why we started working together we started working in the commerce society very well together and we were we spent spent a lot of time as working and really enjoyed hanging out with uh, each other we eventually became i think it was secretary and co-secretary of the thing and we did a really good job of whatever we were doing over there the thing that i loved about her was that she 
she could get anything done and i was the person that had the the vision about things and i would think about the purpose of it and know oh, what do we want to actually achieve and just that 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 person that gives gyan all the time i was that person and she was always the person that would would able uh, would get anything done that if she ever said that she was going to do something she would get it done i think she's that's a surrogate to your nari <laughs> <laughs> yeah and that's something that i i don't think i i've never been able to be that person like i've never been able to be that person where i've been able to get those qualities but i've i've deeply admired that um i think one very big way in which i did change is i went from being a very alone and independent person where i mainly just thought about myself and didn't even think about other like you most of my childhood was very much alone and actually even between my brother and i we didn't also hang out too much like he also used to do his own thing i used to spend a lot of time in the library by myself or reading by myself so i was always very independent my grandmom didn't get too involved in anything at all she was just like around the place and would be supportive and like get me candy and toys and stuff like that but then she would just hand the toys over to me and i would be playing by myself only so i grew up very very independent and that i think was something that i learned a lot about just being with a, another person like how do you actually talk to another person communicate what i want what what do we want to do together like make a plan together rather than just by myself so that's something that i've very distinctly learned from her i also see myself as a a person that follows rules a lot like if someone comes and says that something should be some way i kind of take it for granted that it should be that way and i'll question it maybe i'll trip about it sometimes and maybe consider that there's alternatives but from her i i've really found the like i've seen that you can everything is an option always and that you can really you can decide how you want to live, live your life you don't need to get permission from people you can just lead your life as you as you want it she does that every day and that's something that i've really got from her she has a way of not only thinking that everything is an option but that there's abundance everywhere and that there's always stuff out there something that i've really i am still i think trying to grasp that uh, from her but that i i really love and it's it's changed a lot about how i see the world so oh, she's it sounds like she's she's true to the meaning of her name her name means consciousness in english and so yeah. it's very apparent and clear in terms of what you're just describing about her that yeah. you know it's a it's a very apt name for her in that in that yeah. regard she practices who she is if if i were to ask her what is the thing like what is how has bias shaped your life what do you think she would say i might say shaped life like i don't mean it in big ways really but you know in in the everyday little moments in life like i can give an example of what in this phase of our lives that i'm experiencing with man we we had a baby a year and a, almost a year and a half ago and uh, you really need patience and when you have a child you need patience to deal with everything including the baby but 
in life with everything and i'm an extremely restless person and i like to just get things done keep going keep moving and man it's knows how to like take his time sometimes you know painfully slow <laughs> i'm like i'm just the opposite so uh, i'm heavily influenced by that now i'm like constantly telling him okay am i react am i reacting too badly or this did you think you've left a bit of you in chetna in, in some way and if i were to ask her what would she say that thing is i think i think both of us have had this conversation so i, I think i know the answer that she'd say but maybe she's going to say it's completely different this is not true at all i think two things one uh, seeing things from like from my grandmom i got this quality of being i believe quite empathetic and being able to see things from other people's side and therefore not feeling bothered about most ways in which people react or whenever i'm in any situation i i feel i have a, a ability to know where the other person is speaking from coming from i think that's something that she's learned a bit from me more mm-hmm. and uh, a, a second thing that i believe is i look at the why behind almost everything and like what's the bigger picture to what i'm trying to do over here like i i can be sometimes very frustrating with the team that i not frustrating i would say i very slow in working with people when i start projects because i invest a lot of time in explaining why we why why are we doing this what are we trying to actually do what are you trying to actually do over here why are you doing this over here so the the bigger picture behind everything that is something that i talk a lot about and i believe that's something that she's picked up from me a bit yeah i i still want to maybe talk a little bit more about you know how you and chetna have eventually reached this place so started with street food and the commerce society and like has have the two of you been together all through or were there periods when she were you were in you know gurgaon or she was in calcutta and then she came over you we were just really good friends we had a lot of time we spent a lot of time working on stuff and just a lot of time just roaming around just walking around the city and just spending time with each other to like right at the end of college when when i was leave, like i got into google i was just about to leave a couple of months before that then we started like realizing that we like each other a little extra but it got like when i shifted to gurgaon became a little complicated and it was very scattered and confusing for a while she eventually shifted to gurgaon about a year or so later to study event management over here and then a couple of weeks only after she uh, came over here i asked her out and now we've been together for 10 more than 10 like 10 11 years i think right now i'm, I'm forgetting the exact uh number and we've been married for about 4 years wow. we stayed together also and marriage actually wasn't really that big a, a shift for us because uh, before that we'd been living together for about 4 or 5 years already so that the the real i think shift in us like really adjusting with each other and like learning how to live with each other came really when we started living together after that marriage was actually like didn't really seem like anything i think the shift actually happened a little before like a, a little while before marriage when we started completely staying without any roommates at all which was another experience because you didn't have like you we were just with each other also we had to manage everything ourselves you 
didn't have another roommate to blame stuff on like, <laughs> and very young right like uh, you were pretty young y'all i've said y'all again i think this podcast should be called y'all <laughs> yeah google how did google happen from yeah, so, <laughs> chartered accountancy okay, so, no 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 forget chartered accountancy so it was <laughs> ashram guy <laughs> uh who said no i don't want to be an ashram guy i don't know what i want to be but i want to figure out what i want to be yeah and then chartered accountancy which was tied to the ashram guy phase but but you know everybody is in commerce everybody does chartered accountancy to then eventually joining google like that was a big uh, swing uh, like from left to right uh, yeah so how did how even, did that come even out? i considered ca so you can imagine everyone does and i still don't know what goes in and what goes out like debit and i have bcom honors anyway yeah <laughs> Yeah so when when i said no to ca and got really involved in doing uh, commerce society work at the same time side by side i was finding other things to make myself useful and i was i i was also i think very i started becoming very entrepreneurial i so actually there was a very big turning point that happened between class 11 and 12 where uh in class 11 i spent all my time just bunking as much class as i could and just chilling with my friends then what usually in usually you have your vice captain in class 11 you have your captain in class 12 uh the vice captain and the guy who was whatever that head representative of the house was there all the way till class 11 and then he decided that no i can't do this in class 12 i want to study instead i was studying commerce and had nothing to study obviously and i was just essentially handed the badge as all the other responsible people were all doing science and all said no we don't want to to take on this responsibility so i was handed this badge for just no reason at all captain and of the school captain of the house house they okay. had just okay. house captains okay there. now in in getting that responsibility and then there was a bunch of there was a a, a school fest that we organized for the first time at that point in time where i was playing a, a significant role uh, and then eventually the school uh, sports day which was really like the most important thing that happened from the houses were mainly structured around the fact that there was a school sports day now in working with so many people over there uh, both across this fest and that sports day i realized how much that i was actually a good leader and that i could get i could influence people to do things and i could and i really enjoyed that and from that i really like my mindset about what i want to do really changed and i think that was maybe like even before uh, eventually when i said no to my parents then when i started realizing that i Uh, i didn't uh, look like i really enjoyed being with people and i could do things over here and i i was enjoying it a lot so with that when i left my ca eventually i was looking i was really involved in the stuff of the commerce society but i found this opportunity that there was there was no placement cell really uh, in zaviers and so i start like i i got a bunch of people i found a teacher that was doing almost nothing at that point of time and said we're going to start the placement cell over here so from second year of college to eventually when we left we really like 
create established a placement cell essentially for the for the college and in doing that obviously google was going around trying to find kids to join at that time as i was the contact and doing all of the communication at that point in time i obviously seemed like a more credible person and therefore by answering all of those questions like how many basketballs can you put in this room and i remember there was a lot of random questions like that you asked i somehow got in and uh, did, did you also have to write an essay at the first stage or? i think there was something yeah there was a written test also i yeah. the essay topic for me was if shahrukh khan became the president uh, or prime minister of india like what would he do or i don't know what and i wrote something and then my first round of interview she had my answers and she like read put underlined stuff with red say this was interesting this one and was asking me questions based on that and i'd prepared so much the day before like google wow. has nice interviews but yeah they yeah, were they were, very they were entertaining how many red cars in delhi that was my cognitive yeah. uh, question but so you got into google and on june yeah. 14 2010 you walked into a room and uh, you had an in, uh, training to decide what to label an ad <laughs> family yeah. safe f uh, and that was really strange like i i realized when i joined that i didn't actually think what work i was going to do <laughs> I thought exactly no, for all of us <laughs> for that generation of googlers yeah yeah that it would be such a mundane and like useless like useless job I, I, of labeling ads i told everyone i was getting into advertising <laughs> exactly <laughs> and then i and then i used to say i watched bdlj after 11 am today yeah. on on the uh, the tv in some micro kitchen uh, sitting on a bean bag and having lays or something and yeah. i i would go back home as with my parents and my mom would say oh how was your day <laughs> i'm not sure the bin was empty by 10 am <laughs> and then i watched were, movies i were you shifted to tran- transliteration also yeah yeah you did yeah. Uh, <laughs> now talk i did. romanian Roma- i got romanian ads there was Man, and there was a total of like twenty ads that had to be reviewed every day. I would come in at eight o'clock. <laughs> By eight thirty, I was I'd reviewed them twice over, and after that, I was Perfect just playing college. pool. Perfect quality, yeah. It was re- I became really good at pool over a course of three months, <laughs> and then thankfully, <laughs> thankfully, they, I I got an opportunity to get out of that team. Yeah, they cherry picked <laughs> people, and I remember not getting the so bias always got special treatment at Google at the in the beginning stage. I think you were the one they ran out of MacBooks, so they had some policy change. They gave everyone IBM laptops to start with. my entire reason for joining google at that point was i get a macbook and <laughs> i didn't i didn't for the longest time but pies got one and then pies got uh, pulled into the sales team yeah. like they there were like five six stars on on the the binning team who picked cherry picked to do sales and then you went into sales which was probably the right place for you anyway you were like uh, didn't he get paid more than everyone else that well? too 
that we only knew because we were so new to the idea of earning money that both of us used to be like okay HDFC bank account okay then we used to show each other like how much oh 16,032 oh you got 35 like why did you get more that's the only reason I know I got paid more but also because I think they just generally thought output was better impact was more <laughs> so this one only wants free food and movies yeah. um, but no anyway Google Google I I know a lot about I I don't know Man probably knows uh, enough about the thing that was most interesting was I remember when before you left Google you were doing really well you were at a really comfortable place I know everyone that ever worked with you whether you're your seniors uh, or people who, who your peers or people who you were mentoring and coaching everyone would have just one thing to say bias is great why did you leave and what did you leave to go do? Uh, so it was the last two years that I was there at Google were very fascinating. I The first year I got an opportunity to work as something called a mobile specialist, which is a completely non-defined role, but it was about helping advertisers just figure out mobile better and not related to ads. Like it was deeper into actual marketing strategy around mobile. Like what should you put on a website versus what you shouldn't put? Like, how should you look at your customers? How you should uh, engage with them? And that gave me a really good exposure A to meeting clients that were very fancy. And a second thing it taught me a lot was, was just about the marketing process itself. And that led me to the next thing where there was this amazing program that happened where they, they were doing a bunch of ecosystem building programs in India. And I got the opportunity to work on training developers. And it was it was like a role that was definitely three, four levels. Like they should have hired someone three, four levels higher than me to actually run a program like that. But the opportunity to work with suddenly the whole marketing team, the legal team, hiring agencies for things, building trainings for uh, building trainings around Android development, going and presenting in colleges and universities and talking to people, like a group of people that I never, A, talking to so many developers, talking to students, and then talking to university professors, groups of people that I not worked with at all. And I felt completely underqualified for the job. And But it was incredibly fascinating. Interestingly, it was a, a one-year rotation that was going to like renew. And in, in the case of my project, it was going to renew for two more years after that. But at the same time, Zoya, who I had worked with back in the sales job uh, at the beginning, she reached out to me about uh, joining the startup that she had founded uh, when she left, which is uh, Core Diagnostics about five, six years before that. By that point of time, I had felt, I had started feeling, I think maybe even a year before I eventually left that the only place I worked with was Google. Most of the friends I had were Googlers was so uh, in like my worldview was just around actually what Google thought and the principles that Google had about what the internet should be and what, like I felt that I was completely getting stuck in that, in this whole mind mindset. And second thing, I started thinking that it was too easy in some way, like that life was looking too easy and comfortable. Like things were just still like, even when I was in that challenging role, stuff just seemed too easy and accessible. And so when Zoya reached out to me to uh, join Core, it was just, 
Like it was almost like perfect timing around the time when this project was ending. And I saw it as an amazing opportunity to leave and really learn what's out there in the real world. Core Diagnostics is a oncology focused diagnostic company. It was when I joined, it was an oncology focused uh, company with the uh, with the main objective of helping patients and doctors decide the best way for treatment. What really attracted to me oh, uh, me to this uh, job was a couple of things. A, I was just going to, I wasn't joining in any specific role, but I was going to figure out how I was going to work over then, what role I would eventually do. And second, Zoya had really built a very unique culture at core, which was unlike and is still completely unlike anything in the healthcare industry at all, which is the same sort of principles that you would get from a, a tech company, like one of these US tech companies of transparency, of openness, of no hierarchy being there, of being entrepreneurial. And if you want to do something, you just figure it out, of having incredible levels of trust in people, um, things that weren't there anywhere else. And I still don't find it anywhere. Like we possibly retain the most number of people. And I, I have a lot of conversations with new uh, joinees when they come. The main thing that they love about course still right now is just the culture and the way in which it is completely unique to any other company. So it is very easy for me to adjust from the sheltered environment of Google to uh, a, a company like this. And the second thing is I've often thought that I want to eventually open a, have a company of my own. I don't know if I'm generally that keen about, like my mindset about it has changed a lot right now, but I wanted to know what it's like to grow a company. And that also is something that I absolutely got to do over here. And I, I'm still still doing it right now. So Manan, I've actually, you asked the question about figuring out stuff. I've still not figured out at all what I'm doing right now. Across the time that I've, even at Core, for example, I've probably worked across every team in some capacity and led about seven, eight different functions across the five years that I've been there, changing from one one thing to another many times. And that's given me so much exposure to everything that I could have wanted in a in a learning experience, really, of like a, knowing how to survive outside of Google. Very, it was very interesting. Like the, the company is completely, wasn't in any sort of overlap of what what I used to do at Google. This company didn't need a website. Essentially, it was a more a B2B company. We worked with doctors mainly. We worked in a completely different, it was a completely different world to the extent that it's just, there was World Cancer Day was I think on 4th Feb. On 3rd Feb was when I opened up an AdWords account right now because we've hired an agency for the first time to actually do advertising. And I was like, wow, this is just, it, it looks completely different from whatever I, I saw about five, six years back. Just very interesting. And I'm I'm so glad to have gotten out and seen whatever, what it's like to build a business, what it's like to take decisions so fast that you would, like at Google, you'd spend quarters taking decisions like that. You go into a one hour meeting and you, you've, you change completely your strategy and you're doing something else. It's fascinating. Uh, I'm almost a Mr. India type of question, but leader, you said earlier that you, know, you always thought you were a good leader. You had the, all the chops to influence people. What, what's your style like as a leader and do people like you as a leader? Do you feel, get that sense? Are you, what is it about you that, that they like? I don't know if they like me, but I 
I I know there's a couple of things that I that form the basis of how I understand leadership also. One of them is really back to the same thing that I learned. I learned because I read a book called uh, I think Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Effective people, yeah. My I don't know where I got that, but somewhere in like class 11, 12, someone gifted me that book. I think my dad only gifted me that book. and i think from there i learned a lot of principles that have stayed with me one of them being the explaining the why behind things like or understanding really like why why do you need to care about what you're doing and why is it good for everyone whatever is happening whatever we are we are trying to achieve together there's a there's a bigger purpose of why it's helping the people outside that we are serving it's uh, helping the company it's helping all the people that you're working with and why it's good for you yourself and i try to bring this conversation up a lot uh, and keep this background context in in whatever uh, interactions that i have and the second thing is listening to people being someone that will listen with curiosity i i think these two things are uh, a lot of the basis of what what i would think my leadership is around So tell me something, Paris. I mean, one of the characteristics or qualities that one typically associates with leaders, generally speaking, whether in a corporate setup or you know in a club setup, uh, a committee setup, sports, you name it. Uh, um, you know, uh, the one trait of a leader is resilience, and when the going gets tough, the tough get going. You know, you sort of associate these characteristics. with leaders and increasingly you know people have had i mean the world is not an easy place right and there's there's the world in which you operate in which is the corporate world there is the personal world or world outside of the corporate life and then there is there are all the questions and thoughts and introspection and if, if i can be very honest demons in our heads as well that sometimes play up how has been your journey where sometimes one may have bled into the other and affected you um either affected you as a leader affected your work or affected you as a person is what has been your coping mechanism yeah i have struggled quite a lot um i've in terms of being able to find that balance and being able to find even that like leadership in myself only like what what do i want to do in my own life i have uh, had depression for or had depression for about i think 5 or 6 years in between and the first the first couple of years being of complete denial and avoidance of the problem itself and non acceptance of how things were to the extent that i would spend days like not even sometimes feeling that i i can i i can work also and feeling underconfident feeling like an imposter uh, in whatever i'm doing to more recently being able to uh really spend time and understand myself a lot more and i think if anything however whenever i've gotten back to being able to get on with life and move forward it's been about understanding something about myself and being able to see that that is not actually that's not the over it's not the overwhelming it like the overwhelming thoughts that i have or whatever uh negative thoughts that are there then they're never a part of me and that they are just 
they are there they're coming because of conditioning they're coming because of the way in which uh, i've learned to grow up and think about certain things i uh, go to therapy regularly right now also i meditate uh, very frequently i journal uh, myself which i find i think maybe one of the most useful things and apart from that i find a lot of when i use my energy creatively and i think even even to the extent of just journaling i i i look at it as some sort of creative creative output when when i was taking when i was deeply invest like interested in photography was something that uh like when i do these things that i really enjoy that also becomes something that allows me to center myself again and realize where i am where i'm at what is actually happening in me what are the demons that are taking over and how can i step away from them and still go where i want to go i think uh journaling like having some sort of exercise routine doing something uh creative and talking i think talking to my therapist talking to chetna talking to friends that's what gets me out of whatever that funk is that keeps yeah. me up and 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 i think i mean all of us go through it right this is some people recognize it some people live in denial some people learn to deal with it and it's always a journey what i figured out i mean even in the moments in my weak moments for example having an outlet whether it's a creative process whether it's a person you talk to whether it's um, doing something that people call it a distraction i call it an outlet but some like you said you know there's meditation there's there are ways to to deal with those kind of things just being just having access to that um, becomes extremely critical in in yeah. in my limited unprofessional not professionally looked at situations thank you for sharing i think this was this was it's always interesting to see how people cope with with these moments and how it's an ongoing thing it's not like i had it's yeah. not like the flu it's not like you had it yeah. and then you took medicine and now you're okay it's something that you yeah. have to constantly deal with yeah i actually this is very interesting i had message until this a little while back that it was so like around the first week of jan i'd got the uh, a cold and cough and uh, there was something in how i that was the f- first time i think when i felt sick that i completely understood that i didn't deeply wanted to get better myself it is completely my responsibility on how i'm feeling at that point of time also so even though i'm physically not feeling well i don't have to suffer through this and that i could actually do whatever i wanted to do and i got well really fast also and it was i i i think i didn't even take really a, a work day off even though i was feeling like physically not feeling well i was feeling completely engaged in work now i felt at the end of that i i started congratulating myself and feeling great about it and just uh, a week back i again fell ill firstly the a story started in my head about how oh my god like what kind of like i i say that i'm doing yoga right now and that i i i have a running group in office that i keep trying to get them to uh, like inspire them also i'm my wife is the health and wellness officer of the company also and i'm within a week again uh, within a month again falling sick and i became really like a bitter old uncle just complaining <laughs> about everything chavan prash dude <laughs> just that's what's missing yeah so the so the ups and downs where the even when you think okay i've understood this layer about life and i don't 
I, I I've found something really good within me and a way of living life that is uh, that works. That also is just temporary and can just go away completely, and then come back again, and that it will it will come back and go. I, I remember describing this uh, actually to a friend, which I ended up. It came impromptu to me, which I I really love as an example that our life isn't actually is is a bunch of seasons where there's sometimes that it will be spring and things will be fine, and then it'll go back to being winter and be autumn and be spring again. So the thinking that we've ever achieved something and that even if it is a real like. like we we kind of know now that material achievements aren't really going to feel make us feel happy more money doesn't actually make us feel happy bigger house doesn't make us feel happy but even those things that we really think we have found some inner happiness for ourselves those also are temporary and they're going to go away and they're going to come back again and they're going to go away the 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 good and bad of life will just keep happening and being able to be okay with whatever is happening is really i think where i am i am right now so when i said when i'm when i'm trying to find my own spirituality right now it is actually more of just trying to understand myself uh and my understand where what what are all the things that actually like who is the pious that i think i know who's living this life but i don't i realize so much i realize every day that i don't know this person also that much i'm learning about how he behaves in the world and whatever strange patterns that have uh, i've been living out and it that's my spirituality right now for me is just trying to understand myself and my place in the universe i think it is for everyone in that identifying your state of you know what state do you flow in you know what is yeah. what is that thing for you we uh i know we have to let you go soon uh because it's way past what we initially scheduled i want to keep going so so many other things to ask because i know you have an interesting perspective on it uh but i don't think we have enough time but i want to uh, also ask the rapid fire questions that we we had we were thinking about and we you know we thought that yeah. everyone like when they do rapid fire they're like oh we'll ask best this best that or we're going to ask you the worsts okay <laughs> that's like Amazing. that uh, it it there's need for negativity i mean positive. everything can't be yeah. so positive all the time yeah like what is this spirit right you hate the most yeah so let's talk hate all right and this is rapid fire you have to like not think and okay. it's uh, okay yeah and it's we'll eventually i'll ed- do some editing magic and we'll have another name for this section okay so it's can't be called rapid fire with karunga sumi so uh, man you also have the same set of questions i'm going to go through the worsts okay and then you can take on the rest All right. Okay. Ready Slap. for this? Ready for this? That slaps too. That slaps. Slap. We also this like boomer language. Uh, do you know? Uh, not boomer language. Gen Z language. Are you familiar with all this? Little. Let, Z let. is passe, bro. <laughs> What? Passe. Gen Z is passe now. That is the correct correct English sentence. <laughs> You are so boomer that you speak correct sentences and you think it's Gen Z. Anyway, do this very quickly. You can't think, okay? You just have to say whatever comes to mind. Okay. What's the worst movie you've ever seen? Welcome. <laughs> worst TV show? Nothing. I've enjoyed it. Worst food? Like so bad that it should be banned. 
Jackfruit. Anything with jackfruit. It's so nice and healthy. You need to come to Singapore and try Kathal Biryani. Yeah. This lady makes it. Okay, worst worst actor. Like female, male. Someone you, and when they come on screen, you're like, oh. So Fardeen Khan. <laughs> um, okay. You didn't like him in Janashi? <laughs> <laughs> I remember, I don't I don't even know what movie I saw of him, but I remember seeing some movie and just completely losing it to how anyone got paid to do something like that. I don't remember, a long time ago, but yeah. Okay, worst phrase. Uh, 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 <laughs> and do the needful. I thought you were going to say that one. Uh, worst <laughs> habit that people have, like scratching and, you know. Talking over each other in meetings. It's <laughs> very bad. Uh, okay, I'm done with my worsts. Over to you, Manan. Okay. All right. This is like salt, salt and pepper and somewhere else. Okay, no, this is a rapid fire. What's wrong with you people? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Before we get to my question, I'm sorry, I want to ask this. You're, you're, wearing, you're wearing a Tintin t-shirt and you have a Tintin set behind you. Yeah, uh, I and my. Are you? See, I really love Tintin. I don't know if you see my corporate uh, the the picture that I have as my uh, display Captain picture Adip, on GC right? is Captain Adder yeah. also with the pipe, which is like yeah. a perfect uh, like ad for a oncology diagnostic center. <laughs> it's really, I want to it, ask it's really horrible. So much but about I, I keep it. drinking and all also, but I can't right now. So it, you. Uh, so you're really into <laughs> Captain Adam. <laughs> uh, I I really love like my uh, I think my whole family was really uh, really like Tintin. My dad especially he used to get me the comics also. We used to go and get them from the library. So I I really grew up reading Tintin a lot. This Chetna gifted me because I told her that I was always looking to like it was my dream to have all of the books uh, because they they I don't know if you read them they they had that back page which showed all of the different okay. ones. so you always knew which ones you read yes. or not so this uh, Chetna gifted me this as all of them except for I think one which has been banned due to some racist Relig- undertones. Oh. <laughs> uh, there is a store when you come to Singapore, we have to go there. There is a store yeah. that is just the, tin. The, it's uh, called the Tintin yeah. Store. Yeah. Uh, you've probably heard about it. But we have to go so there. It's I did, in Chinatown. <laughs> yeah. But it's a little like this is a coincidence and I actually don't love Tintin that much also. It's, come on. <laughs> it's, I, I'm making a really poor case for it, but says the man who has a Tintin set behind him where he's wearing a Tintin t-shirt and has Captain Haddock. And Fire, Fire's nickname is actually Snowy. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So speaking of the reason why I asked that was it's a good uh, segue into what are you reading these days? The I'm reading this book called The Yoga of Eating. Uh, I am uh, a very fascinating book. Um, I just started reading it, but this book is just about, it's not actually, it's half about eating. It's more about, uh, it's about, it's about eating mindfully and how the experience of eating we have completely made into a joke, a joke (laughs) for for lack of better words. Uh, and how one can go like how eating is actually in some way, you are consuming information in some way. It is it is what the material that's actually building you and how there's such a different mindful way of looking at eating. And I, I'm absolutely loving it. I'm I, I've enjoyed food 
a lot more in even reading half of this book i've i've learned to enjoy food a lot more but did you attend a mindful lunch once in uh in at the youtube i did yeah a mindful I, lunch yeah which was yeah. Uh, complete silence and they serve you food uh, with different textures and like when sounds that they make when you eat them and so you have to focus no one talks to anyone in the room and you're just you and the food and yeah. each bite you're like super aware of of yeah. it going in yeah. so you realize I've, that i've even, had a lot of meals like that so even a little little food is is good enough like you don't yeah. need that 10th helping this is a rapid fire can we go to the next question please i i also wanted to ask you in in keeping with the theme of books name one or two books that you think every human should read at some point in their lives the book right before this uh that i was reading was called awareness by anthony demello it is such a simple and beautiful book and i I read the book incredibly slowly and really tried to grasp everything that was there and after reading that I I'd, I'd love for every person to read this I think there's something about uh, understanding yourself and the world better in that that would really uh, really be amazing for anyone apart from that I I'm going to stick with that right now I yeah no and Ajil just to I I don't want to like to be honest with you you're the if you're the salt or the pepper i'm the other and so your rapid fires mine are the not so rapid exactly <laughs> and there's That's a fire another way in which fire. Yeah. Yeah, you i'm the rapid there's a fire in the room and you're just you, you could structure structure the podcast like that also archel just asks short pointed questions then <laughs> yeah. manan asks the long ones he, he, he is one. <laughs> the person and archel is like no but what's your favorite color name one <laughs> you know i was going to ask what do you think what's the worst color because i think the, there are some colors that are really not nice <laughs> it's it's midnight what's wrong with you Okay if you could yeah. change one thing about india what would it be and if you feel india has like got too many problems let's just talk about where you are where you live what would you change about your life um i th- i think uh, what i'd change not I, i would say this about india and I'm, i'll say this about the world also is a greater amount of teaching to kids about how to live rather than whatever they're taught right now like how to actually understand yourself how to lead a healthy life how to lead a uh, emotionally healthy life physically healthy life financially healthy life uh, that sort of education coming very early on in in those real first decade of someone that more than anything else nice what like it's like it, before it, before i i just like it's like before all the patterns and all the messing up that does happen to kids yeah. just how how about we teach them how to not get messed up or like and let them give them an opportunity to not get messed up and that will only come if you allow them to live like normal beings and not get in the way all the time and not yeah. be like do this yeah. do this the way i learned it uh, someone yeah. just i don't know if it was yeah i was talking to uh, a friend uh, who i met today yeah. who was telling me that a lot of how we 
make our kids grow up is and and react to things is more complexes and things in our heads it's not they don't know anything they don't know how to feel yeah. anything so if you react badly or you yell or thing that's your problem and you need to sort that out in next okay what would be one thing that we would find you doing on a sunday afternoon enjoy like enjoying the winter sun i've at uh, this winter i've really loved it second thing is right now uh, there's a new ps4 game that's come out that i'm enjoying the oh You're, are you ending game doing that i didn't know that about not too much i have a oculus that played one game on and just lost interest in recently during the lockdown i found like i got the uh, ps4 about 4 5 years back uh, but after playing one game at the beginning i completely lost interest and somewhere in the lockdown i found a, a variety of games which i found i think like visually very beautiful and interesting that i found the love of gaming a bit and so right now i just got a new game recently that i'm which, which one it's called horizon forbidden west is it like a series or or a franchise yeah it's a, it's a second it's a second game of a, a series the the first uh, horizon zero dawn i just played before this really uh, love the world building that they've done over there i i i i've actually learned i think from games the like how intricate and how much thought goes into some games is really something mm-hmm. and not the game like i i don't like these mobile games at all but i really love these games where you get to, you you experience and can be in another world i i enjoy them a lot zack will be very happy to hear that yeah not the, i will be not the metaverse he thinks yeah, I, ps4 yeah yeah not uh, i i've i've done the i've got the oculus right so we've gone into uh, yeah. they, that thing is surprisingly also called horizon i don't know how both of these okay. two things exist like that horizon world it's called or something where you can go and just chat is with it vr all of this a uh, vr yeah does it not give you a headache no no very you want to throw up no 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 not i've not felt that very fascinating some of the games are really fascinating and wonderful um, i can't do it i get like sick i uh, that's because you yeah that's because the kind of stuff you've been exposed to is like sitting on a roller coaster or, or no 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 <laughs> yeah that's true because manan's brother said go check out vr in this headset he put it yeah, on me yeah, he yeah. put me in some place where people were shooting me and, and then i was falling <laughs> and then i was like i want to throw up so i never went back to it next question <laughs> favorite city in the world Calcutta. Yeah, plus one to that. Uh, actually, for me, it's now Singapore. But yes, Calcutta is a close, close second. Favorite street food? Calcutta puchkas. Oh, yes. Dal market. Yeah, amazing. And we were who were we? We were talking to a couple of friends two three days ago and reminiscing yeah. about the Vardhan market puchkas. <laughs> so good um, and in fact there is also a person here in singapore who sells puchkas yeah um, the calcutta type puchkas with the pani and masala 50 they only Amazing. take bulk orders 50 man eats all eats 49 <laughs> one i get but anyway next question Absolutely. yes favorite podcast if you listen to podcast the one that i've listened to the most uh, i i don't listen no <laughs> 
<laughs> that's in the future um the one i've listened to the most i i've i've stopped listening to podcasts i think like as you said in the lockdown you found podcasts more i i lost the habit of yeah. it completely and i don't listen to almost anything right now uh but i i've listened to the tim ferris show a lot um and that was more like the i found podcasts i think at the time when a lot of people found podcasts around serial so i remember this launched at the same time uh, that time i was in dubai also uh, on a rotation over there so i was completely alone uh, so whenever i was roaming around i started like just listening to stuff yeah i would say like that i put as my favorite i, I don't find it that interesting anymore but i i have really listened to it a lot i like planet i used to enjoy planet money a lot i enjoy this podcast with uh, scott galloway and kara swisher mm-hmm. pivot Uh, yeah yeah i used to enjoy that a lot also yeah free economics also used to enjoy uh, these all the old like classic podcasts yeah. a long time ago okay. joe rohit did you ever listen to him no, no. i don't find him that interesting like and the very long yeah uh, like i don't get it i mean the i recently sent uh, pies seen in the unseen and that's like a 3 hour 45 minute episode that guy also like i i like i've i've listened to quite like probably 5 6 of them and i i find his podcast also interesting yeah. and i listened to half an hour of uh the one that you shared with me and i i really i like i love the vibe about it yeah like uh it's like how my grandma would talk also about things i i really like it yeah and i, I have so much more to listen to i was listening to her while my eyes were closed so when she describes stuff it's i was actually imagining the hills in india and I, are there any more on that list one and i think we're done with the favorites Yeah, I think we've done it before. Uh, Chetna unfriends us. Yeah, yeah. Should we like what's happening? It's supposed to be only one and a half hours. I think she's fallen asleep. There could not have been a better person to have such conversations with. I have known you for 12 years, uh, but I didn't know a few things that you said that are making me just kind of connect the knots and understand you a little bit better. I think there's a one thing you said about just empathy and just being likable, but having all these contradictions in your own head, it explains a lot because of just how and where you were put in different points of your life without having any control over it. And then when you could at 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 its stage when you when you could 11 12 when you just made that call to your dad and said you know I'm not not going to I'm going to choose my own path everything changed for you like a lot of a lot of uh, what happened after that was just uh, that I am more privy to but yeah it's so so interesting to hear and only you would have said yes to to me <laughs> my request so that also thank you and before this gets into some sappy thank you thank you I No, I mean it. I mean it. Uh, yes, and I really enjoyed this. Thank you, Anjali and Manan. It's, it's obviously really like it's again. You're not even going to have conversations like this and figure out that we went to the same Montessori school. It's yeah, ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Honestly, I feel my grandmom. That's really bias. I mean, thank you once again. The podcast was just an excuse. I think just being able to. sit and have these conversations has become so rare and yeah infrequent but this has been i mean it's easily been one of the best conversations i've had in more than a decade with anyone 